started the audio. Blog Talk Radio. Hey everyone. Oh, it's starting. Yeah, bye. Welcome to Chat with Camille Show. This is Camille. I'm here. And today we're going to have a very special guest by the name of Mr. Benjamin Michael. The reason why I asked him to be a guest on this show is to talk about different um, veterans' needs. And also, I can give you, and I'd love to give you a little background on Ben. He's a 13-year Marine veteran in Kern County. He was born and raised in Bakersfield, California. And he just wants to chat with me, Camille, about veterans' issues, that are going on in his local town. Right also, he will yeah. be discussing veterans' hospital issues, veterans' benefits, veterans' mental health, veterans' needs, and who to contact if you need help or resources as a veteran. As a guest, I am thrilled to have him. And I think I forgot to um, add a few wonderful accomplishments um, that he will share with you about his life and some of the things that were challenging for him once he was under the service, okay? So we look forward to having you listen about Veterans Local Issues Part 1. This is a two-part show, okay? So let's talk with Ben. Yeah, well, your intro's done now. Use that one. Hello? Hi, everyone. Okay, so we're apparently on the air, but um, we're still trying to get our guests hooked up. And so... um, Okay, that's muted. Okay. And so now, let me try my, there it goes. Okay. And so I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest, Benjamin Weichel. And uh, he is a local 13-year veteran, as you all know, and he's here in the studio today. And so what we're going to do is... Uh, start. I'm going to start asking him some questions. Okay. Welcome, Benjamin. Uh, yeah, welcome to the studio, um, Benjamin. And uh, I have just like a few questions for you about uh, questions for you as a veteran, because these are questions that I believe many veterans um, can, well, the information that you have to give would be informative to our listeners and to not just a veteran him or herself but also to their family members first question again i'd like for you to let us all know let the audience know what your name is and uh, what your current occupation or profession is Great. Can you speak up just a little louder, if you don't mind? 
So just your occupation or profession. Working in transportation, going through uh, building construction materials. Excellent. And um, what are your accomplishments? Because when I did my research, I saw that you had ran for both mayor and for president in 2016. Is that correct? That's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, did you want to share with us what that was like and also your reason for running? Very interesting experience to say the least. It was a very interesting experience to say the least. Um, got to meet a lot of wonderful people uh, as far as the mayoral uh, candidacy went, uh, the presidential candidacy, uh, being on the low side of the financial spectrum, you know, didn't have the, the influence that uh, other candidates had na uh, naturally. Why did I run? Well, Mayor, I, that was just kind of a hasty last-minute thing. I hadn't planned on doing it, but some co-worker said, hey, you should run for mayor. And so I threw my name in the hat just for the fun and of being part of it. Uh, for president, there were several issues that uh, were going on, particularly one that was big at the time and still is, was immigration. Other issues were uh, internal issues within the, the U.S., you know, uh, infrastructure, uh, veterans issues, uh, things like that. Well, initially when I joined the service, I was going to do the Air Force because I had plans to become a pilot, but I learned that uh, because I was wearing glasses, I, I, was, I would have been disqualified from being a pilot. So I looked at the Army, and I was going to go with that route, and then played football in high school, and the length of the season was longer than training to become a soldier. And I said, well, no. Uh, and the Marines covered that same length of time as, as the – football season surprisingly plus the uh opportunity for travel I, I felt was better with the uh marines and then the army's uniform back at the time i'm sorry to say uh the color okay i'm not going to discuss that because it's not appropriate okay thank you this is a g-rated show <laughs> <laughs> so that's great and um did you have money when you joined the service, or did you have plans to go to college prior to you enlisting in the service? I assume you're enlisted, or were you drafted? I was enlisted. Yes. And so what were your prior plans prior to you deciding to go to the service? Well, before going active duty, or, or prior to enlisting, my parents had to sign the, the documents because I was 17. I had planned to go to uh, Bakersfield College and study God knows what, uh, but it was just 
kind of thing. Everybody's going to school, so I said, you know, I'll stay here, go to school. I'll go into the service part-time, uh, let them pay for it, and I can get some training, get do something. But uh, when the, while the recruiter was at my house and uh, talking with my parents, which was not the first time they'd done this because they had to go through it with uh, my two older brothers, uh, my father looked at me and said, well, if you're going to do it, do it full-time. And then uh, I was going to go infantry, and he said, if you're going to do it, pick something that's going to give you uh, specific skills or talents. And so uh, I said, okay, well, I went active duty, and I chose uh, an occupation that provided skills, although it wasn't the first choice that I uh, I didn't end up in the first choice that I wanted due to uh, qualification issues, not having a driver's license or uh, because they said I was colorblind and so I didn't get the choices that I, I had uh, initially wanted. Supported you in your decision to be a serviceman? Do you have family there who are supporting you? My, my entire family supported uh, my mom's side of the family. I don't know of any of her brothers that did not serve, whether it was Vietnam, Korea, they, 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 that, that era there. Um, people in the church, they supported it. Pause it. Huh? It's ringing. Let me get this one off. Come on, just leave it. You're fine. Keep knocking. Um, we're, we're still on air. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know, uh, people, when I was in high school, they were... Hi, this is Lynn. Or, or caught off guard that I was going into the rain specifically. Yeah. Particularly because I was... Very Caller, are you there? Huh. Wasn't it ringing before? Yeah, yours is not connected. It's still... Excuse me. Quit talking on there. Thanks. Okay, can you keep going? But, uh, they were surprised. They were caught off guard. As I said, I was a six foot, 150-pound... Caller? Oh, individual. color dropped. Okay. So it was, uh, it, it, everybody was supportive. Nobody was against it. Great. And then did you or were or where where are you from? I forgot to ask a big question. Where are you from, born and raised? I was born and raised in Bakersfield, mm-hmm. California, mm-hmm. in the county of Kern. Yes. Okay. Wonderful. And uh, how old were you when you joined the service? I was 17 when I enlisted. 17. Okay. And uh, how did you find the service to be once you were there? Well, boot camp was 
none of it was really surprising or, or difficult to myself personally. Um, just because I, I knew what I was getting into. So, yeah, it, it was easy. Okay, just uh, we're going to take a five minute break here. Hello? Ah, oh, yeah, that's the problem right there. Five, three, two, five, nine, five, one, oh. Seven six pound. Can you read me that pen number? Five three two five nine five one zero seven six. Yes, call on us by once. Okay, so looks like uh, we're back. And so the next questions that I have for our wonderful guests are, uh, uh, did you find the service to be stressful? Uh, initially, no. You know, it was... Again, for me, because I, I really had an idea of what to expect just from having two older brothers that had, had served and then uh, having been in the uh, junior ROTC program, which is the uh, Reserved Officers Training Corps, uh, really discussed what, what life in the military was like and what to expect. And honestly, it's no different than than life is outside the service. You go to work like you would any other job, do whatever the, the job is that you're doing. Uh-huh. Granted, there are some jobs that are military specific, you know, whether it's uh, arming munitions, whether it's Being oh, a, a frontline call, are you there? Gunfighter, kicking in doors. Oh, lost my collar. Now, uh, the most probably the most difficult part is boot camp for the Marines, uh-huh. or basic for the Army, Navy, and Air Force. And that's especially for someone that that uh, is 17, 18, first time away from home. You know, they they face homesickness, culture shock because things are happening so rapidly, you know, especially with the Marines, everything is now, now, now. You, you'll, you'll yell out something, they'll tell you louder, louder. You could be screaming Hello? at the top of your lungs until you have no voice left and they'll still tell you louder. Or to tell you faster, you can be puking your gut and they'll tell you to go faster just to get you to understand that your your limits are farther than what you think they are, for, for you to understand that uh, they're capable of doing more than what you initially thought you could. Yeah. Um, one of the things that's very unique to the Marine Corps versus the other branches is in training, 
you the Marines will take your identity as an individual because if you try to remain as an individual, it will not allow for a team to work because everybody is trying to be their own self. And so the, the first part of Marine boot camp is to take your identity. The second is to integrate that identity with the unit, with uh, those that you're with, because you have everybody from all walks of life, whether they could have at one point been a bigot, a racist, whatever, the, their whole world gets opened up to something new. Mm-hmm. And then the last portion of the training is just fine-tuning everything and, and preparing us to go out into what we call the, the fleet uh, Marine Force. Got it. Thank you so much. And... Um... When you were working in the service, what was your job description or title when you were there? And how about how much did you make? Oh, okay. I had multiple titles while I was in the service. And that, it does happen across all branches. Uh, you'll have different billets that you may fill, so your job title can change throughout the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, my primary military occupational specialty was food service. So that was cooking, mass quantity of food for anywhere from 500 people to 2,000 people a day or per meal. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that can be pretty stressful because it's very, uh, can be very time consuming, you know, especially if you're having to make uh, individual items like meatballs or something from scratch and you have to form them. Uh, Very time consuming. Wow. Some of the prep, I started, for me, I started off in Japan, in, in Okinawa, Japan, in the storage room. And that can be stressful because trying to maintain the inventory, getting stuff out at the right time so that the, the Marines are preparing the food, cooking the food, have what they need, when they need it, proper quantity of what they need, uh, and balancing, supporting them while trying to do my duties of, of taking an inventory and everything at the same time. And, and just having a smooth operation. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there, I, I moved into working in what's called the salad room, which was salad preparation. But you think, oh, that's just chopping lettuce or something. No, there was so much more to that. It was all the vegetable preparation for all the meals, where there was having sliced onions, chopped peppers, Peeled potatoes, sliced potatoes, whatever prepara- food preparation they needed for vegetables was done in what was called a salad room. Uh, the, the last billet that I had was a part of a, uh, the night crew, and not every installation has a night crew. I was on an air station, so because flights, flight training goes 24 hours a day, we have a night crew that works. And there, uh, I was part of a, uh, a team that ran basically what was the subway. We had huh? three made sandwiches that had a, a certain meat, certain cheese, and then uh, whatever they wanted as far as the type of bread or whatever they picked at the, the site where they picked up the sandwich. Uh, 
uh, one of the things I innovated there was putting jalapeno juice into our cheese sauce, which turned out to be a major popular hit, uh, which was kind of surprised me because I wasn't technically supposed to do that because it's what we call change the recipe. But uh, it, was, it was a big hit. People loved that the jalapeno cheese sauce. Putting on the potatoes or whatever, the nachos, wherever they were putting it on. Um, another job duty I had was a marine security guard. And that's not one that most people are familiar with or have ever, ever heard of. It is diplomatic security. It's a contract with the Department of State for Marines to provide security at U.S. embassies and consulates around the world. Uh-huh. Uh, our primary duties are to provide security for classified information for the building and for American personnel. Okay. Uh, it's a, at the time for me, it, um, it was specialized training, which still is, but it was a six-week course at the time. And we were doing roughly 14-hour days, uh-huh. Monday through Friday, and then half a day, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, when I went through, it was right after the U.S. embassies were bombed in Nairobi, Kenya, and Dar es Salaam. The, uh, two of my instructors were actually at those embassies when the bombings happened. So I had real life, or I had instructors that had real life experience with those things that happened. When they were looking for volunteers to go on that duty, I asked all the Marines, oh, why don't you do it? And they said, oh, it's too dangerous. It's too and I thought to myself, what the hell are you talking about? It's more dangerous at home, walking down the street where people can randomly shoot you or rob you, do whatever. At least there you've got some type of anticipation of, of what's going to happen. And I felt that a lot of Marines that I talked to said, oh, it's too dangerous. I honestly found them cowards to say, oh, it's too dangerous. Well, then why did you join the service? Any branch. Yes. Again, this is a G-rated show. And keeping it there. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, my, my first posting as a Marine Security Guard was in Singapore, Singapore. And uh, <clears throat> just to give you an idea of what that embassy looked like from the outside, if you were to picture Alcatraz, that's kind of what it looked like. Just mm-hmm. a, a very nice-looking Alcatraz. Uh, and as, as a Marine Security Guard, we were responsible for uh, responding to any emergency that happened at the, the embassy, whether it was a mob trying to break into the embassy, whether it was a fire, uh, somebody placed a bomb, we had to find it. If it was a earthquake, somebody put nuclear, biological, chemical, we had to be prepared for all of that. And the number of Marines at, a, at an embassy or a conflict uh, I can't give you the, the exact numbers because each place is different. Uh, but the minimum you would find is not less than. And we work on a rotating shift. Each embassy is different on the schedule that they run. Part of my Clerical duties in Singapore. React and training in Singapore. Part of what we did was made the training scenarios. So we had intruders or 
we needed a train for that scenario. Then I developed it with uh, however it happened. Um, one of the things I innovated there was, um, you know, in the major or the state rainforest, they would use a high-tech laser tag type system. Uh, we didn't have to at the embassy, and I went out and see if we laser tag gun to flee. And uh, my trainer said, hey, well, let's do it. And the reason behind that was it would help us increase our realistic training because, you know, running down the hallway and saying bang, 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 it doesn't truly tell you what happened or didn't happen. And so having that laser tag system going beep, beep, you would know that, you know, the realistic, if you got hit or not or what have you. Paul, are you there? Hello? Hi. Hello? Hi, caller. Can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. Wonderful. Did you have any questions for our guest, Benjamin Waco? Well, uh, no, not currently. Unfortunately, I just joined your show. Uh, so oh, I'm just okay. busy listening to what vein of conversation to the vein of conversation. Oh, wonderful! Can you hear the show? Uh, yes, very well. I'm using well, my wonderful. cell phone rather than my computer. Oh, great! Thank you so much. We're going to continue, and I'm just going to have you uh, hold the line if that's okay. I'm, I'm yes. I'm very interested in this conversation, this discussion. And the topic, yes. Thank you. May I ask your name, caller? Lynn. Lynn, thank you so much, Lynn, for being so patient with us. So we're just going to place you on hold for now. We're going to ask a few more questions to our guest, Ben, and then we'll come back to you if that's okay. That's fine. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, so uh, going back to the things that the... The embassy is part of my duties, also uh, to supply NCO, and that was maintaining all the supplies, the, the weapons, the ammunition, our body armor that we had at the time, uh, and our non-military items. You know, we had bicycles that were provided for us to ride if we wanted to. Yes. We had a gym membership. Um, all these perks and stuff that uh, helped us maintain our, our, surprisingly, our mental health. Uh, there was all this stuff there for, for us to do. Yeah. Um, and then from Singapore, I moved on to Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, which was quite a change. And part of the things they told us in training to become a Marine Security Guard was uh, there's some places where you won't have your daily things that you do here. There would be a lot of restrictions, whether it's because of the political political climate, whether it is the country itself, the surroundings where you're at, uh, just a variety of things. So Ethiopia, we didn't have a gym. Yes. And the altitude there was roughly 8,000 feet. And uh, a lot of times what people in general don't understand it or don't know is that high altitudes will affect your mental health also because of just the oxygen and things like that. Yes. 
And then my, my thank you for that. And my next question is approximately how many hours per day did you work when you were in the service? Oh, now that, again, that varies upon the specific job that you're doing. If you're working in, in administration, ask me roughly eight, eight hours a day, Monday through Friday. Um, food service, we were, if we were on what was called a two-watch system, uh, I would show up to exercise in the morning at 6.30, 5.30, 30, for an hour, give or take, and then I'd be there until the end of the day, which would be generally 6.37 by the time we were done cleaning and whatever else we had to do. And then the following morning, I'd be back to work at 4.30 in the morning until 10 o'clock. So are we looking at about 14 hours a day, uh, roughly? Well, I'll just say it was 12 out of 14 days we were working on a two-watch system. Wow. On a three-watch system, uh, we would work that day and a half with a day and a half off and work roughly one weekend out of the month. Okay. Um, the military police, they would work kind of similar to what uh, local law enforcement work, which would be like four days on, three days off. Uh, the fire department in the military works similar as the okay. civilian fire departments, 24 on, 40 days off, or okay. whatever their schedules are. So you'll find a lot of similarities between the two. Yes. Uh, just depending uh, again on what your job is. Okay, and then were you promoted in your positions in the service or not? Yes, I I was promoted. Um, oh, excuse me, and what does that promotion entail? Well, uh, initially, from it, it changed throughout the time that I was in. I was in naturally, you know, things progressed and. Changes are made. But, uh, initially, uh, it was the length of time that you were in the service and the length of time that you were in the current rank that you were at. And that was for uh, a private through Lance Corporal. So you had to be in for so long and serve for so long unless you received a meritorious promotion, which was an early promotion, and that could be for uh, special achievements. Uh, special recognition, yeah. things like that. Okay. Once you became an NCO, which was a corporal and a sergeant, started to become a, a corporal, corporal and down, it was also a uh, what was called a composite score. And that was a combination, again, of your length of time in service, the length of time that you were in your, your Pacific pay grade, and then uh, your rifle schooler, because we had to qualify with a rifle, and so they took into that account that the score there, your physical fitness score, and what we call a proficiency and conduct marks. So uh, actually the rifle and, and physical fitness test scores were tied into your proficiency marks. So if you were not qualifying on the rifle range, your proficiency would take major hits because you're not meeting the standards that uh, are expected. Your conduct marks, that would be, you know, the way you, you conduct yourself as a Marine, both in and out of uniform. So if you're out causing fights in bars or you're acting drunk and disorderly or you're being disrespectful to your, your, your leadership, then your conduct marks are going to take a major hit. And okay. those would affect so your... 
would affect uh, the score for promotion. Could you have a little bit more time on this? Yes. Okay, can we don't want to be able to get all our questions in, okay. as many as we can, because this is just part one. Okay. And then, so yeah, corporal and sergeant, that's how you get promoted. And then from sergeant to staff sergeant and above is, is given off of what's called a fitness report. Yes. And that is generally given once a year unless there's other uh, scenarios that happen, whether you're, you're met, your leadership changes, you change, you change places that you go, or you go to training, whatever it is, there's certain circumstances in which you'll receive a fitness report. Now, fitness report details in writing uh, your accomplishments. Uh, it, you're graded basically on, on okay on your accomplishments. Yeah. Okay, that's thank you so much. That was great. A lot of information, and probably for most other veterans or service men and women, they would understand that better than someone like me. <laughs> well, but each branch is different. Just, yes. uh, the Air Force, the Navy, they have a written test okay. that uh, people take before, in order to get promoted. The Marines, you don't take a written test. It is. Okay. Uh, there are certain educational requirements now that they have to have in order to get promoted through what's called the Marine Corps Institute, and those are correspondence courses. Okay. And, uh, mathematics, leadership, and various other ones that uh, are goal-oriented. Yes, and then how did your personal life hold up in the veterans? Did you have one? Were you able to have one? Um, did it become lonely in there? Because you were there for how many years again? Was it three or 13 years? That's 13 correct. Years. Yes. Yes, okay. So you were there from what year to what year? Uh, June 1997 until June 2010. Yeah, that's a long time. So were there any uh, challenges with uh, just being with yourself and uh, or not? Uh, no, you know, like I said, surprisingly, uh, in Japan, I had a lot of time off. I rode a bicycle up and down Okinawa, Japan a few times and got lost and had to find my way back and just had a, just had a good old time, went to the beach. Uh, hung out with other Marines, silly yes. were, you know, went to the bars. Yes. We did uh, had a rando time. Singapore, went to the nightclubs, uh, hung out with uh, employees from the embassy, went to the ambassador's house. Um, the ambassador of Singapore. So Singapore. The U.S. ambassador. U.S. To ambassador Singapore. Which is a, a he is uh, he was directly appointed by Bill Clinton. At the, at the time, so it was uh, very unique to have a tie to somebody to the president because you know it's not uh, every day that happens. Yes. And so, um, how did your family, if you had one, how did they, how did they hold up in this service? Was it easy for them? Was it uh, stressful for them, not having you there as much? Um, how did they hold up overall? You don't have to give details, please. It's okay. But just, you know, how, how, how was it for you? It can be very challenging and stressful. Um, people that can relate really well would be uh, our local police and fire departments because they can be called away at, at a moment's notice for an emergency. And the military one that happens to us also, we can be called away so quickly and and... 
without prior notice, that can be hard on families. Other times, you know, uh, extended periods of training. Uh, it can be, you know, a week. It could be 30 days. It could be six months. <clears throat> so, um, okay. It, it, for, a, for a young family, very stressful because it's new to them. They don't know what to expect. They don't know how to deal with it. Yes. The resources. Those that have been around for a minute, it's just kind of a, a normal daily thing to them. They're like, okay, hey, oh, you're gone, okay, no problem. We'll Great. see when you get back. Yes. And then how, or excuse me, when did you separate from the service? Well, I separated June 2010. Separated June 2010. And then how was your transition to civilian life after separation from the service of 13 years, which is a lot of your life, your young life. Yeah. Um, I thought at the time that uh, I took a break for literally for a year. I was like, I'm uh, no stress to, to try to find a job or anything because it just needed time to decompress. I had literally just come home from serving, serving a year in Afghanistan. Yes. Uh, which was, for me, no big deal because I was not... Uh, at the front line, yes. uh, providing support, uh, which when I was deployed to Iraq, I was. I was in the front line providing support to the Marines and sailors that were kicking in doors and looking for bad guys. Yes. Uh, but n uh, nonetheless, um, just knowing people that were injured, personally knowing people that right. had been severely injured, yes. uh, you know, it, it, it can take a mental toll because it's you don't particularly expect it to happen, uh, especially when it's uh, some young people that it that it happens to. Yeah. You know, um, Did you mean younger? That do I mean not? Do you mean that? You mean who were your age or who were younger? Literally younger. Okay, the yeah. younger. Okay, yeah. and then yeah. which war would yours have been considered to be? Cause, Okay, for me at the time, it was um, Desert Storm. What? Desert yeah, Storm, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then later... Yeah. Uh, Desert Storm, Desert Shield was the late 80s, early 90s, mid-90s, something yes. like that. Yes. Um, the environment that I was in, uh, we called the... Uh, well, Iraq was Operation Iraqi Freedom. And Afghanistan was Operation Enduring Freedom. Um, basically, post 9/11 would have been part of what it was called. Oh, okay, post 9/11. Yeah. Okay. And then um, after a year uh, uh, for just relaxation after a long career with the with the service, um, did you receive any type of veteran affairs? Uh, uh, patient services or or benefits, um, and if so, what were they? Well, the initial transitioning, partly because of the amount of time from when I came back from Afghanistan and, and separated was so short, there was a lot of stuff that was delayed on my part for transitioning to the VA and having uh, disability claims yes. filed, uh, receiving appropriate compensation if there was any to be awarded. Um, 
Yeah, once I, I came back, I did come back to Bakersfield, and uh, I did file my, my well, I started my claims in North Carolina where I exited, and then in Bakersfield, they continued on. I received my my benefits, and as time went on, and uh, additional issues were identified, uh, additional claims were filed and added to the uh, profile, I, I guess you'd call it. Got it. Wonderful. Thank you. Well, we only have uh, four minutes left to the show. And so we want to check in with our callers and see if they have any questions. This is part one of our wonderful chat with veteran Mr. Benjamin Weibel, who ran for mayor and for president. Woo! So let's uh, see if our caller has any questions. Hello, caller. Uh, yeah. Hello. Hello, caller. We only have three minutes left of our show, and so we're opening up the lines to see if any callers have any questions well, for our guest. Yes. Uh, first of all, thank you for your service. Uh, it will always be appreciated for my household. Um, but my question that I had for uh, Ben was, uh, with his long years of service, does he recommend this type of a career for those that are younger and wanting to enlist? Or does he, um, I shouldn't say anything else. That was my question. That, what do you recommend enlisting, sir? Uh, it really depends on what the person's long-term goals are. Because with the long-term goals, you can see how you're going to benefit or how the, the young person can benefit and apply that experience to their future. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you so much, caller. Uh, we're going to uh, go ahead and uh, go ahead and close out the show for now, and because uh, we only have two minutes left, and. Um, so thank you so much, caller, for holding, too. <laughs> I enjoyed the show. It's very, very informative, and particularly the personal experience of, of Ben. That was wonderful. Thank you, Lynn, for, for calling in. And you're welcome for the service. <laughs> okay. Open on mute. Okay. It's a wonderful caller. Wonderful caller. And so uh, we're going to go ahead. We have one minute left. I want to leave you, uh, the audience, a, um, some resources. And so please look in the description for resources for veterans. The first one is, um, oh, I'm sorry, I put in NAMI, but it should really be like the, the second one. But NAMI is our National Association for Mental Illness. That's if you're feeling some stress after your service, PTSD, call them up. They have a NAMI home front, helps the families and helps the loved ones, helps your loved ones. Also, we have Veterans Affairs. A link in the description to the, veteran, the local Veterans Affairs and to the National Veterans Affairs. It's www.va.gov. And then for our House member that is looking out for 
uh, veterans, please go to mrkevinmccarthy.house.gov and or um, Representative Valadaro, V-A-L-A-D-A-O dot house dot gov. That's here locally in Kern County, California. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Let's Talk with Camille Emblem is the old show, but the new name is Chats with Camille Show. Take care, everyone. Five, four, three, two, one. Goodbye. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, guest. Okay, and that's it. Okay, that's it. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.